Welcome to an audio teaching from Windsor Park Baptist Church in Auckland, New Zealand. If you would like to look at the message notes or see some questions for reflection that take their lead from today's teaching, head to our website, windsorpark.org.nz and head to the online tab where you'll see services and series and you can download different resources from there. Thanks for joining us and we hope you're encouraged by today's teaching. Kia koutou. I hope that you've been having a great week. This is the second week of our preaching series called Finding God When Life is Buffering. Last week, Grant preached on Abraham and Sarah, and today we will be looking at the life of Joseph, which is found in Genesis chapters 37 through to 50. I'll give a brief overview shortly. But first, I want to tell you about a session that we had with our Young Professionals Leadership Track from earlier this week. We had two incredible guest speakers, Matt and Rachel Renata, come and share about finding our identity. And they talked about the things that shape us, where we come from, our whakapapa, or our genealogy, our childhoods, our strengths and weaknesses, our experiences with God. And they shared about how God weaves things together in our lives. And the question that was put to us is core why oh. Kawaii, who am I? Who am I? As they were sharing, I realized that the Bible does this for most of the key figures throughout Scripture. However, we often just skip over it. It talks about people's genealogy, what tribe they belong to, what land they came from, their strengths and weaknesses, their most significant encounters with God, their moments of faithfulness, And also their acts of selfishness and sin. And we see all this in the story of Joseph. So as I give you a brief overview of his life, I encourage you to think about your own story. Kōwai'o. Who am I? Who has God made you to be? And how has he woven your life together? Now Joseph was one of the twelve sons of Jacob who was the patriarch whom the 12 tribes of Israel would descend from. He grew up in Padan Aran, in the land of Canaan. And for the first 17 years of his life, things were pretty good. He was the favorite child. He had this special robe that Jacob had given him. And apparently he was, you know, well-built and handsome. God gave him dreams. And in these dreams, he would rule over his brother's and his parents. Now, I'm not sure if Joseph was sincere and naive or boastful and arrogant, but for some reason he decided to tell his family about these dreams that he had. And unfortunately, it didn't go down too well. His brothers became even more jealous than they already were. And when the opportunity arose, they sold Joseph into slavery and they faked his death to their father, Jacob. That's the first 17 years of Joseph's life. It started well, but then it took a pretty sharp turn. Joseph ends up in Egypt, sold to Potiphar, who was one of Pharaoh's officials. And at first, Potiphar could see God's blessing on Joseph. So he entrusted him with everything that he had. However, Potiphar's wife tried to seduce Joseph. And when he repeatedly refused her offer, she accused him of trying to sleep with her. 
And this resulted in Potiphar putting him in prison. Now, we can't be sure of how long Joseph was in prison for. However, it was about 13 years from when Joseph was enslaved to when he, uh, to when he was eventually promoted to become the ruler of Egypt. So it's safe to say that this was a long, difficult season in Joseph's life. While Joseph was in prison, he interpreted two dreams, one for the Pharaoh's cupbearer and one for the Pharaoh's baker, both of which came true. When Pharaoh's cupbearer was reinstated to his position under Pharaoh, Joseph expected that he would tell Pharaoh about what he had done. However, the cupbearer didn't mention anything to Pharaoh for another two years. It was only when Pharaoh had dreams that no one could interpret that the cupbearer finally mentioned Joseph to Pharaoh. Let's pause here for a moment. Imagine your family selling you into slavery, ending up in another country, being accused of trying to seduce your bosses or your your master's spouse, being put in prison, And then you finally get an opportunity to get out, but you have forgotten about for another two years. I personally would probably feel a little bit hard done by. Years of waiting. Years of disappointment and betrayal. Of abandonment and injustice. What a way to spend your 20s. You know, eventually, when Joseph was 30 years old, There was another turn, and life was on the up. After Joseph interpreted Pharaoh's dreams correctly, he went from being in prison to ruling over the whole of Egypt on Pharaoh's behalf. And not only was he the ruler of Egypt, but Egypt became one of the wealthiest, most abundant kingdoms among the known world under his leadership. The dreams that caused his brothers to turn against him when he was 17 finally came true. And they traveled to Egypt in desperation for food and essentially begged Joseph for provision. Now Joseph could have got revenge, but instead he acknowledged God's hand of provision in the whole situation and ended up reconciling with his family. That is a a very brief overview of Joseph's story. I go and have a read or a listen this week. There is a lot more detail to go into. But I want to lean into the 13 years of waiting that Joseph went through. And there are two sections that stick out in particular. The first is Joseph's rise in authority in Potiphar's house before he was wrongly accused. In Genesis chapter chapter 39 verses 2 to 4, it says that the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. And when his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his whole household and he entrusted to his care everything that he owned. So despite Joseph being sold into slavery, it seems as though he lands on his feet. However, after a while, he was wrongfully accused and put in prison. 
And this is where the second section stood out to me. A little bit later in uh, chapter 39, verses 20 to 23, it says, But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him, and he showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. What do you notice? What are the themes that are coming through? I want to suggest that there are three things. The first is that God was with him. God was with Joseph. And we see that he was with Joseph in the early years when he was given dreams. God was with him when he was sent to Potiphar's house. God was with him when he was in prison. And God was with him when he eventually ruled over Egypt. However, that didn't mean that Joseph had things easy. It didn't mean that he avoided suffering or injustice. And it didn't mean that he got what he wanted. In fact, it was years before Joseph's situation changed. But God was with him and he intervened uh, intervened at certain points along the way. Now, personally, I find this a real tension. There are things that I have prayed for and hoped for for years and years and nothing has changed. But at the same time, I see God answer prayers and turn up in all sorts of ways. You know, just last week, I was on the phone to my mum telling her about my current frustrations with God. Then on Sunday, I was at a newcomer's lunch chatting to Bobby uh, of what's going on, uh, about what's going on in the world. And I started telling him about my cousin who works for the United Nations. Then he asked if I knew anyone who was looking for a flatmate. And I was like, I don't really know anyone. So I brought up Cairns, which is Christian Accommodation New Zealand, on my phone. And we started scrolling through. And then 10 minutes later, my cousin, who I I was just talking about, he sends me a message. And it says this. Hey, Ethan, how are you doing? Long time no see. I hope everything is going well for you. I have two rooms available coming up. One is getting married, the other is going traveling. If you know of anyone looking to join a Christian flat in Rosedale or Albany, let me know. I turned around to Bobby and I, and I showed him the message. And he's planning to move in, in in a couple of weeks. You know, God may not always do what we want or when we want it. But he is with us. He is working and he is good. When we are in a season of waiting, the challenge is shifting our focus from what's not happening to what is. It's looking for where God is at work in your life or in the lives of those around us. The second thing that I want to suggest that kind of comes through from those passages is that God was forming Joseph's character. You know, when life is hard or when we're in a season of waiting, No one wants to hear, God's building your character. It's one of the most frustrating things someone can say. But it's also true. 
In times of waiting and suffering, God is shaping us. Joseph was a 17-year-old who had a lot going for him. However, he still had a lot of formation to happen in his life. God was teaching him humility, to think about God and others before himself. He was teaching him not to rely on his own ability, but to put his trust in God. And he was teaching him godly wisdom. You know, I think about my own life. When I was seven years old, my parents divorced and I spent the next six years switching between my parents from week to week. It was an incredibly difficult time in my life. However, looking back now, I can see how God was molding me. For example, the reason why I'm so comfortable chatting to people is because I had to do it in those early years. My dad couldn't cook, so after the divorce, we either had dinner at the RSA or at his friend's place. And we had people living with us who were from different cultures. And I worked on his properties alongside people who struggled to get work, people who didn't find it easy to fit into society. It wasn't the typical childhood, but God was present and he gave me a love for meeting people. He gave me a love for people full stop. We all want to be something, but first we have to go through a process of becoming. And there are no shortcuts to character development. As much as we may want to avoid it, it's often the most difficult situations that actually shape us for the better. So if you were to look back over your life, what has shaped your character? And is there a situation now that you're trying to avoid that God may be trying to work through? The third thing that I, I see coming through in, in these texts is that God was preparing Joseph to rule. Joseph was entrusted with everything in Potiphar's house. He was trusted with everything in the prison. And eventually, he was trusted with everything in the whole of Egypt. God was preparing Joseph for what it was that he wanted him to do. You know, a few weeks back, we had a pastoral retreat over on Waiheke. And Grant got us to share about how we ended up in ministry. And one by one, as we shared, it was incredibly obvious how God has used our experiences from our past to prepare us for what we are doing now. And I'm sure there will be other things that we go on to do in the future that this season of life is preparing us for. And this is true for all of us. We all have passions and abilities that God has given us to outwork in our lives. The key is figuring out what He may want, to, well, what he may want us to use them for. You know, we love people getting involved here at church and, and finding a place to serve. But equally, we love seeing people outworking their faith in the community or their workplace. We just want to see people leaning into God's call on their lives. In a moment, we are going to finish with a song called Canvas in the Clay by Pat Barrett. And as you listen... I want to encourage you to think about two things. 
First, Kōwaiō. Who are you? Who has God made you to be? And the second thing is what has God prepared you for? What's the calling on your life? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your presence in our lives. And just as we see with Joseph, you are there in the moments of waiting. You're there when we have questions and frustrations. And you are working, even if it's not maybe in the way that we expect. But Lord, we look back at some of these times in our lives and and we can see how you are working. We can see how you are molding and shaping us. Lord, I I pray that that all of us who who are listening and, and tuning in today, Lord, that we would be able to identify what you have done in our lives. And Lord, what you have called us to, whether that is maybe somewhere in church or out in the community or in our workplace, or maybe it's just a passion that you have given us. Lord, I, would, I pray that as we step into your calling for our lives, that we would feel passion and excitement, that we would be in tune with what your spirit is doing within us. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. In my mother's womb, you formed me with your hands, known and loved by you. Before I took a breath, and when I doubted, Lord, remind me, I'm wonderfully you're an artist and a potter from the canvas and the clay. And you make all things work together for my future and for my good. And you make all things work together for your glory.
the canvas and the clay You're an artist and a potter I'm the canvas and the clay Thank you for joining our audio teaching today. If there are ways that we can continue to support you or help you in your journey, please reach out to us. Head to our website, windsorpark.org.nz, and you'll find various ways to contact us. God bless.